Good morning, everybody. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out and giving us about an hour of your time. We appreciate it. If it is your first time here, we are continuing this series that we've been calling Questioning Jesus. Last week when we kicked it off, we talked about how throughout the Gospels, one of Jesus' primary methods of teaching was to use parables, these fictional stories he would create to teach us some real truths. But beyond parables, Jesus loved to ask questions of us. Uh, I showed you a pretty interesting statistic. And when you go back and you read the Gospels and you look at Jesus's life, what you'll find is that Jesus asked a grand total of 307 questions. He was asked 183 questions, and he answered fewer than 10. And some theologians actually argue he only answered three questions. Now, when I saw that, I was like, that's pretty interesting. I think we need to dive into that and find out what's going on. Because Jesus is God. That's what we believe here at this church. And if Jesus is God, that means he's got all the answers. And yet, based on this, it would seem like Jesus thinks that we can learn more from his questions than we can his answers. And so for the month of June, we're kind of taking a look at all of the questions that Jesus asked. Not all of them. That would take 307 weeks. We're looking at four questions, and we're finding out why did he ask these questions, what can we learn about those questions, and most importantly, what can we learn about ourselves through these questions. Last week, we kicked off by taking a look at a question that Jesus asked to a man who had been sick, lame, or paralyzed, as it says, for 38 years. And he asked this man, do you want to get well? Now, on the surface, particularly if you, you were here and you saw the account, this kind of seemed like a dumb question, to be honest with you. It actually seemed a little bit insensitive. I mean, of course this man wanted to get well. Or did he? And so we spent some time taking a look at what it looks like for us to find healing with some of those long-term problems that many of us are dealing with, those lingering issues in our life that we just can't seem to, maybe we've gotten used to them, we kind of let them just sit there. What do it look like to find healing in those areas? If you are someone who is dealing with an issue that's just a problem, I would encourage you to head to our website or wherever you get your podcasts and just give it a listen to hear what Jesus has to say. Today, Jesus is going to be asking a piercing question. And he's going to be asking it to his disciples, these men who knew him best, these men who walked alongside him, worked with him, watched him do miracles, ate meals with him. They re I mean, and he's going to look at these men and he's going to ask them, why are you so afraid? Now, this is a hugely important question for all of us, but it's particularly important for those of you who are right now in some kind of trial. You're going through something right now. There's a, a kind of storm in your life. And the truth is you might be scared. And my hope for today, after we examine Jesus' question, is that you might be able to find some peace in the midst of all of that turbulence, in the midst of that storm. So our story takes place in Mark chapter 4. Jesus has been teaching all day long along the side of the Sea of Galilee, and we're going to pick up in verse 35. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed, Mark lets us know. But soon a fierce storm came up. 
high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. That's a problem, right? You don't want that generally happening when you're on a boat. Meanwhile, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? All right, let's pause here. Very famous scene in the Gospels. We've actually taken a look at this story a few years back, and we approached it from a different angle. Very famous. So if you are someone who enjoys art, and I know we have a lot of cultured folks in this room. Not really. No. We we have a lot of, you know, you like art maybe, and perhaps you've heard of this painter named Rembrandt, one of the more famous painters of all time. Well, Rembrandt painted this famous gospel scene in the work, as he titled it, Christ in the Storm on the Sea of Galilee. Here is this very famous painting. It's a little, I mean, I can see it here. I can't see what you guys are seeing if it's too dark. But what you see in this painting, on the left-hand side, which is the front of the boat, it's filled with light, but the waves are violent, okay? People are hanging on for dear life. But at the back of the boat over here, where Jesus is asleep on the cushion, it's calm. Rembrandt paints this as though Jesus is almost the eye of the storm. Now, you'll notice there's a guy right over here. You can kind of see him in blue, and he's looking out at us while he's holding his hat. That's Rembrandt. Rembrandt painted himself into the middle of this picture. And what I think is so interesting is where he placed himself on this boat, right in the middle, right in the middle of of fear and faith. And I just think that's so interesting because I feel like that's where a lot of us live when we're in the midst of these storms, just right in the middle of faith and fear. So disciples wake up Jesus shouting, teacher, which is interesting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? So Jesus gets up, it says, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. I love how Jesus just says, quiet, be still. It's chaos all around You saw the pain. Chaos all around him. Guys are running around screaming like chickens with their heads cut off. Quiet. Be still. And then he asks the question of the day. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Guys, I I am in the boat with you. I am right here with you. You have seen me do amazing things in this world. Why are you freaking out? And then he asks them, do you still have no faith. So I was researching the Sea of Galilee, this lake, as they call it, that they were on. And what's so interesting is because of the topography of the area, storms do, to this day still, just explode out of nowhere. So in this story, it wasn't like the sky was a little dark and Jesus is like, let's get over there real fast before, you know, the weather turns. No, no, no. Gorgeous day until it wasn't. So People ask me a lot, actually. They go, hey, what do you like to do for fun? Like, what do you know, Adam, the guy who does the volunteer, he loves Disney, you know, princesses and all that kind of stuff. What do you, what do you John, what's like your thing? Because I know you don't golf, it's way too boring. I know you're not into sports, it's not your thing. So what do you do? Okay, my favorite thing in the world, at bar none, is to fall asleep in the sun on the beach. I just, I just, I love it. You ask my wife, it could be middle of summer, 95 degrees, sun right overhead, and I am just dead to the world. Oh, I love it. It gets no better than that. Last summer, 
We were at the beach up water by the sea. And it was a gorgeous day, okay? It was like yesterday with the baptisms, gorgeous. Not a single cloud in the sky. And I fall asleep for, I don't know, 30 minutes. I lose track of time. I'm basically passed out with, you know, um, heat. So after about 30 minutes, I am violently awakened by my wife, screaming and shaking me. It is now pouring. The sky is completely black. There is lightning cracks everywhere. People on the beach are running and screaming for their lives. In like eight seconds, I went from bliss to packing up everything, and we are running to get shelter like by the condo that's behind us. And when we get there, I look at her, and I go, how did you let this happen? <laughs> what? What have you been doing with your life? <laughs> You're on watch. Didn't you see? I mean, folks, it wasn't like there was a little bit of I mean, everything was dark. For I go, did you not see it getting darker and darker? And she goes, John, this literally came out of nowhere. It's why everybody is running. It caught us off guard. A little suspect. Okay, fine. Okay, I'll believe you. Mm, fine. Like that day at the beach, okay, and like this day on the Sea of Galilee, what this story shows us is that in life, storms really do kind of just come out of nowhere. Life can be good, normal, and then boom, a storm hits. Maybe you are killing it at work, best quarter ever, honestly, and then you get an email and you find out your company is going to be downsizing and you're brand new, and you know what that means. Maybe your marriage is better than ever. It's f smooth sailing, finally. And then out of nowhere, the doctor calls. And it's bad news. And you just feel like the rug has been pulled out from under you. I once heard a pastor say that in this life, you're either coming out of a storm, you find yourself in a storm, or you're about to be heading into one. And what I have found when it comes to storms, particularly when it comes to ministry, I, I have found that there are some people who are really good at hiding their storms. In fact, Christians are some of the best people at, at hiding the storms that they're in. Because some of you look really totally fine. You do. But behind that smile, you're in a storm. And maybe nobody even knows. I've seen it where people are jealous of other people. Man, I wish I had their life. Little do they know that person is in debt up to their eyeballs. Man, I wish I had their marriage. Little do they know, you know, those posed pictures on social media are just a facade. And behind the camera, it's a mess. So I would just ask you, are you in a storm? It could be a big one, could be a small one. Could be one that's coming. Maybe, maybe someone you love is, is in the middle of a storm right now. I don't need you to raise your hand. I just need you to acknowledge in your heart, yeah. Yes, there is a storm raging in my life. Now, based on Jesus' questions, my hope is to show you a couple of things to remember when you find yourself in the middle of one of life's storms. So the first thing we want to remember we find ourselves in a storm, is that we are in a storm with God's presence. In the midst of that storm, whatever it is, he is right beside you. Take a look at how the story talks about it. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. In the middle of this violent storm, Jesus has been in the boat with them the entire time. 
One of the problems that I see quite often, actually, is people mistakenly believe that if I'm with Jesus, there shouldn't be any storms. Like once I'm a Christian, once I've said yes to Jesus, it's smooth sailing. I wish that were the case. <laughs> it would make my job a lot. Hey, be a Christian. All your problems go away. Unfortunately, and I really do mean unfortunately, we don't see any evidence of that at all in the Scripture, Old Testament or New Testament. In fact, we see the opposite. Jesus' disciples, they would go on to face actually more storms. They would face rejection, persecution, violence, and even death. Jesus would tell us, and he promises this to us, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. He's like, guys, I don't want you to be surprised when you run into trouble in this life. But take heart because I have the last say. The truth is, the moment you say yes to Jesus is the exact moment you show up on the enemy's radar. When you move from darkness into light, you step into a spiritual battle. This is not a game. When you commit your life to the one true God, you will face opposition. You will face temptation because the darkness is now against you. That's what Scripture tells us. So to think, now that I'm with Jesus, nothing's going to go wrong, is a distortion of what the gospel says. God never promises us that when Jesus is in the boat with you, there will be no storm. What God does promise is that the storm will never sink you because God is for you and God is with you. And there is nothing that can take you out of the presence of God, which is precisely why Paul could say, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, look at this, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. So I don't know what storm you're in right now, but here's what I know. Jesus is in the boat with you. He is in your life if you have said yes to him. His spirit resides in your heart, and that is a total game changer. Now, the other problem I see with Christians, particularly, when it comes to storms, and I wanted to make this into a clean slide, and, and, I, and I could, and somebody kind of build my case. What I see with Christians is that we, we say yes to Jesus, okay? We accept him as our Lord and Savior, um, and maybe we've been a Christian for a long time, decades even. Maybe there was never a time when you really didn't know Jesus. You kind of grew up in the church, and it's, and it's all you know, right? We are a fully devoted follower of Christ, all right? We understand that storms are a part of life. We get that. We have heard the sermons. We've read the scripture. We understand that in this world, according to Jesus, there will be trouble. We understand this. But then a storm hits, and we are rocked. Like that great Mike Tyson quote, everybody got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And all of a sudden, all the scripture you've read all the sermons you've heard, right out the window. The uncomfortable truth is when a storm hits us, okay, when that hypothetical theological storm that your old pastor was talking about literally hits you, 
you get angry at God. How did you let this happen to me? Yeah, I may have spent my whole life talking about how storms occur, sure. Yeah, I may have quoted Romans 8.28 to other people. You know, God works everything together for good for those who love him. But now this is my life, and I'm mad, God. Now, I don't know how the disciples spoke this dialogue. We only have it written, so we have to infer. But look at what they said to Jesus when the storm hit them. They said, teacher, don't you care? Don't you care? that we're going to drown? This is one of the 183 questions asked of Jesus Christ. Now notice, they have not asked Jesus to intercede. They have not asked Jesus to quiet this storm. They are angry with his apparent, apparent indifference. They're disappointed in him. They're doubtful of him. They're afraid. Truth is, this is not an uncommon reaction for those who love God. In Psalm 10, we read, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In Psalm 44, we see something that is very fitting according to this story. He says, Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? Rise up, come to our help. I think we've all been here at some point in our life. We love the Lord, but when those storms hit and God is not acting the way that we think he should be acting, we get rocked. Folks, don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Because there will be times in your life when things get dark. There will be times in your life when things get scary. And you might not feel God's presence. And in those moments, you need to faith him. You've got to fall back on your training. And you've got to remind yourself that God is good. And God is in charge. And God has the last say no matter what. And the next thing that we learn from today's passage is that you're actually in a storm for God's purposes. Take a look. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So whose idea was it to cross the lake? Jesus. Why? Well, he knew that a man on the other side needed to be healed, and he says, let's, let's make our way over there. But come on. He's God. He, he knew a storm would hit, and so Jesus takes those disciples right into the middle of a storm. Now, there are times in life when we find ourselves in a storm because we took ourselves out of God's will, all right? Maybe we made an unwise choice. It wasn't illegal what we did. It wasn't really even immoral. It was just unwise. And now there are consequences, and now we find ourselves in a storm. But in this particular case, these guys were in a storm because they were in God's will. Now, you hear this. And your first instinct might be to look at your storm and ask the question, well, did God cause my storm? I don't know. I don't think anybody could ever tell you with 100% certainty if God caused your storm or if he sovereignly allowed your storm to take place. But what I can say for certain is this. God always uses a storm to do a work inside of us. It's why James, who was the brother of Jesus, could say this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Joy 
Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Some of you right now are in the middle of a test. God is testing you. Or God is allowing you to be tested because he's a good teacher. He's allowing your faith to be stretched. He's allowing your faith to be pushed so that it can get stronger. So, according to James, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We are a church that is filled with a lot of brand new Christians. You saw the the pictures, and that's awesome. Part of being a new Christian is that your faith is young. It's immature, if you will. And so how does God mature our faith? A lot of ways, through reading scripture, through coming to church like you guys did, through having conversations with other Christians. But one of his best methods is through storms. But no matter how long you've been a Christian, whether you're brand new or you've been a Christian for decades, I would say the difference between where your faith is right now and where God ultimately wants your faith to be is that storm that you have yet to endure. Do you ever meet somebody that just has that kind of rock-solid faith? It's like nothing shakes them. Nothing rattles them, no matter what they are going through. They're just, wow, rock-solid. I can promise you this. That person has been through some storms with Jesus. They know his faithfulness. They know his presence. And they have learned that there is a purpose for every storm. So let's wrap this up for today. Jesus gets up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. The water is like glass. The wind has stopped and it's just silence on that boat. And Jesus looks at these men and he says, why are you so afraid? Don't you realize that you're in the boat with the author of life? With the Alpha and the Omega, with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Obviously, I wasn't there, so I don't know how Jesus asked this next question. But after having just gone through this violent storm, after having just seen Jesus once again prove his power over this world, Jesus says to them, do you still have no faith. Look at how they respond. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Their fear of that storm has now been eclipsed by their fear of God. You've heard that phrase, fear of God. doesn't mean we're afraid of God. It's an old-fashioned way of saying we have tremendous reverence for him. When that storm hit, They looked at Jesus and they said, teacher, teacher. Now, having witnessed his power, he is Lord. So, what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time here at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen. I just want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So I, I know a lot of you are going through some storms right now. I've heard the stories, even this morning of things that are going on in your life that have popped up that you were not expecting, not planning for, and you really have no idea what the future is going to hold for you. 
But if you're a Christian in this room, and I know a lot of you are, and you're going through a storm right now, I want to ask you specifically one question, and you know what the question's going to be. Why are you so afraid? I'm not judging you. I'm not mad at you. I simply want you to sort of step back from your situation for just a moment and ask yourself, why am I so afraid? What specifically about this particular storm is scaring you? Because maybe you've just forgotten that you are in a storm with God's presence. That he is with you. That he has promised to work everything together in your life for good. Maybe you've forgotten or never knew that you're in a storm for God's purposes. Whereby he is molding you into a better version of yourself. And having now come out of that storm, which you will, and when you will, you'll be a better person for it. Are there consequences to this storm that you really believe are too big for our God to handle? As your faith grows, you'll find that when you're in the middle of that storm, things can look scary. But your hope is no longer in that boat. Your hope is anchored in the Lord. And that changes everything. So let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that there are people in this room right now who are in the middle of the biggest storm of their life. And the sky is dark. And the wind is ripping. And the waves are crashing over them, Lord, and they don't even know which way is up. And Lord, they are scared. God, I pray. I pray that they would feel your presence in a way they have never felt it before. That they would know that you are with them, you are protecting them, and you are working through this for your glory. And God, I would pray if it is your will, and I pray it is, that in all of their situations, you would whisper, be quiet peace, be still. And instantly, they would be set free from that storm. And we would give you all of the glory. We ask all of this in Jesus' name.